What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Movie Boys. I'm Tyler. I'm Rowdy. And uh, in today's episode, we are going to be going over the film The Little Things. Uh, it was a uh, straight to HB, HBO? HBO Max. Yeah, it was a straight to HBO Max film. Um, it was also released in theaters, but I mean, we're still kind of in the middle of a pandemic, so they're kind of doing both as of right now. A lot of uh, production companies have gotten rid of their, what was it, 90 days, I think. Their 90-day mandatory thing to where they weren't allowed to stream it or something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. But um, honestly, the only reason that at least that I was interested in it was because, I mean, it had uh, Denzel Washington in it, had uh, Rami Malek in it, and... I mean, it also had Jared Leto, which, don't get me wrong, I love Jared Leto, but ever since The Joker, I just, I mean, he he definitely needs to, in my opinion, he needs to redeem himself. His shine has definitely worn off from me with all the stuff that has come out, like how he is pers- personality-wise. Yeah. He seems like a fucking pretentious asshole. Yeah, I mean, that... I guess that doesn't bother me so, so much, but I mean, uh, like in Dallas Buyers Club, like he and Matthew McConaughey, they were amazing in both of those, in both of their roles. I still haven't watched it. Oh my gosh. Let's put it this way. That was the year that everybody wanted uh, Leo DiCaprio to get his- Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. They wanted him to get his- um, What's it? His Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. And they gave it to Matthew McConaughey. And me and Carlos, we hadn't watched it. And I was like, okay, no, I got to go see why on earth they gave this to Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, okay, I see it. That He, he totally deserved it over Leonardo DiCaprio. Even though he did do that amazing scene where he took those old those old lewds. Yeah, apparently that's like actually how that went too. Yeah, that's I mean that's what Jordan Belfort said. Yeah, but so but Jordan Belfort's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's he's a piece of shit, yeah. but he's a self aware piece of shit. Yeah, well, I'll unlike give him that. unlike Jared Leto, bringing it back around to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So um. Which. I will admit that he did his job in this film. Yeah. Like, he didn't do anything to kind of like outshine anybody or anything. Like, that was very surprising to me, knowing how like egotistical he can be. So, I think we should talk about like what the film was about loosely, like, give the plot details. And that's the whole thing. Is long story short, it's a cop movie. It, or Denzel, a detective, it's a Denzel's a grizzled old cop. Yeah, a grizzled old detective comes back to his old stomping grounds and mm-hmm. gets curious. Right, and uh, Remy Remy Malik, he, uh, he plays Jim Baxter, and he's like a fresh detective y- right young out of college. Hot shot detective, yeah. new superstar. And there's a serial rapist slash killer running around L.A. that they're trying to catch. 
and um, I guess Denzel's some sort of a legend for being an obsessive detective. Yeah. And having a uh, a not so like stereotypical way of you know finding things out i guess so something that i kept getting confused on while we were watching this i couldn't place the time that it was set because there were so many things like jared leto looks like he's in the 70s well it was 1993 okay this is it says that yeah okay yeah it was in 1993 okay because in the in the opening scene oh, yeah, where that girl's being chased, yeah, yeah, it says nineteen ninety three. Yeah, that opening scene where it shows the killer like the silhouette of him, and it doesn't look anything like Jared Leto. Right, yeah, and then um, whenever he pulls into the parking lot when he first gets there, because mm-hmm. remember he's driving that like old Bronco or whatever. Yeah, and all the other cars are like the old like nineties model Monte Carlos. And oh stuff like yeah, that. okay. Um. But anyway, so Denzel is basically, he's not a detective in L.A. anymore. He's a sheriff's deputy out in, you know, out in a rural area. He goes to L.A. to get some evidence for a court case or something, and he runs into some old buddies, and Rami Malek finds out who he is or who he was or whatever. And I guess basically, I don't... Denzel kind of Denzel kind of jumps into the case. Yeah, Remy he butted Malik, his nose into yeah. it. Remy Malik just kind of asks him to help after Denzel's yeah. kind of come along. And so uh, eventually they end up getting a suspect, which is this creepy dude named uh, Albert Sparma, who's played by Jared Leto. And they basically become obsessed that he is the killer. Yeah, I mean, he definitely... Yeah, and he, yeah, he Fits fit it. the bill. He fit the bill 100%. Like, even uh, whenever they're interrogating him and they're showing him all those pictures of all those girls being he gets horny. slain, he, yeah, he, he gets horny and freaking Denzel kicks the table out from in front of him and he's got a boner. But, um, what is it? What was the line uh, that Denzel said? He's harder than Chinese algebra or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> I had no fucking clue what that meant. I don't either. But um, ultimately, and it, I guess here's the spoiler alert, Denzel had a secret that they were like kind of hinting at that we had no idea what was going on because he keeps having flashbacks of like this triple homicide. That you keep kind of getting ideas that it's tied, like it's the same case basically. Right. And so I think it was like five years. It was like a five-year difference yeah. from the time that he quit the force to the time that the movie's taking place. Yeah. And um, you eventually find out that it wasn't it wasn't a triple homicide. It was a double. It was a double homicide, and one of the victims was still alive, but she scared Denzel because they were still like clearing the scene or clearing the area or whatever. Yeah. And he shot her. And it was basically a cover-up between him, his partner, and the coroner. They pulled a, they pulled the bullet out of her sternum, and they said that she was dead when they arrived or whatever. Yeah. So that was like Denzel's secret or whatever. But um, anyway, like I said, they were become they became obsessed with Jared Leto's character being the killer, and he. 
he was really weird about it. Like he kept like leading them on, I guess, to make it seem like he was the killer, but he was too smart to get caught. Yeah. And he even tells uh, Rami Malik's character that he knows where one of the missing victims' body is buried. And he gets him to ride in a car with him, which is the dumbest fucking thing ever. Yeah, and there's no way in hell a cop would really that's, do that. That's where it lost me, kind of. Yeah, when just how far-fetched that yeah. was. Like, I don't care how obsessed a detective is in finding, uh, finding a killer or a victim or whomever. They're not going to just literally risk their lives by getting in a car with a suspected serial killer but anyway so jared leto's character drives him out in the middle of nowhere and has him just digging up holes because he's like oh no maybe it's not there maybe it's like two feet to the right yeah and the whole time though he's like kind of poking it at remy malik by like saying stupid shit to him yeah like because I want to say he brought up his kids, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's when he... he that's when he doubles, lost it. Double spoiler alert. That's when Remy Malik smacks him upside the head with a shovel and kills him. Yeah, and it kills him. And then literally right after that happens is when Denzel finally catches up to him and finds out where they are. Yeah. And then this is something else that's, like, in my opinion, isn't super realistic. But I guess it kind of fits the narrative because those other cops covered up for him. You yeah. Know? But um, basically, Denzel tells him to dig a dig a, a hole big enough to bury him or whatever, and then he goes back to L.A., clears out um, his uh, what's it, Jared Leto's character's apartment. Yeah, literally cleans everything out, and then they go back to the he goes back to the burial site, which. You come back to find that Rami Malek hadn't even buried him yet because he was still digging around that that open area. Trying to find the body to get confirmation that Jared Leto was actually the killer. Exactly, and he didn't find her. Yeah. And so, so they end up burying him, and then he tells him, he's like, hey, you're going to go back, you're going to tell them you need some time off, and we're never going to speak about this again. And then Denzel goes back to where he came from, out in rural California or Nevada or wherever it was, and burns all of that dude's trash. And I was like, there's no way that that's how it ends. But apparently the girl, the victim that was missing, she had like a little red clip in her hair because she disappeared while she was running, and she always wore that while she yeah, was running. Yeah, that's like the last victim yeah. that was taken. And Was she killed? She was missing. Yeah, She that's was missing for like a week or that's two. That's the thing. Did they ever find her body? No, okay. no, not in the movie they didn't. And so... That was the thing. Oh, yeah, that's the one that he took him out there saying that he knew where she was. Buried. Yeah, and then Denzel, um, what's it, Denzel mails him a red beret clip or a red hair clip or whatever, yeah. and that gives Remy Malik con- like, basically puts him at peace with yeah. the fact that he killed that guy. But then you see Denzel with a brand-new pack of clips, like an assorted pack of clips that he throws yeah. in the burn then in the puts it in the burn pile. He's trying to keep him from turning into what he was, basically. And so, I didn't like the ending. I, I would have liked, I would have liked the ending better, I guess, if they would have left it at that that Jared Leto was the killer. Yeah, and that the he found that red clip and everything worked out. 
but the, the fact that they of it. exactly it's literally open in. I'm like, yeah. okay, so we just watched this film where basically just two crooked cops get away with murder. Yeah, that's literally the whole story, and that's kind of what irks me. Yeah, it was. I don't know the the director also wrote it, and he's pretty good. Like, well, yeah, it was John the, Hancock. Yeah, uh, the Blind Side, the Highwayman, which is um. I think that's that Netflix movie with Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson about mm-hmm. the two yep. detectives. Yep. That was a really good movie. And then uh, Saving Mr. Banks with Sa- Tom. I never watched that. Rebecca did. She loved it. You're a Tom Hanks nut and you haven't watched it? I do love me some Tom Hanks. Jesus, boy. But, yeah, it uh, for the talent that was in this, it was just a basic movie. Mm-hmm. Which don't get me wrong, I was I was on the verge of really being pissed off because I figured it was going to be a run of the mill cop show where they're like, okay, Denzel is this old school detective who's a badass. He's going to team up with Rami Malek. They're going to catch Jared Leto, and then they're going to go fuck home. I would have preferred it been that. Uh, that would have irked me. I, I, I'm a sucker for cookie Dude, cutter stuff. Um, that like would have yeah. That that would have been so lazy and such a waste of talent. Well, this is still a, a kind of a waste of talent though. Yeah, yeah, it is. At least if it were that way, it would have been a, a okay waste of talent. It wouldn't have been such a, a maddening, yeah. you know. Uh, I mean, Denzel's performance was not his best. Everybody to me, but was I don't think that it was their fault. They they played the part. Yeah, it was the writing. I think. I for think the most part, everybody did fairly okay, except for. Jared Leto to me. He was a little over I, the I top. mean, I think well, and here's the whole thing, like I'm I'm willing to bet money especially knowing what I know with what he did with the Joker. I'm willing to bet he went full method with this. Sending people dead rats and shit. Oh yeah, I'm pr- I'm willing to bet money he went full method with this and like got way too into it for not even a, in my opinion, not even like a full-on supporting role. Like in, it was like a less than a supporting role, if you yeah. ask me. Because Remy Malik was r- the real supporting yeah. actor. Yeah, he was, and so that's, I, I do think, but at the same time, I do think that he still did a good job of not like overperforming or anything like that to kind of outshine Remy Malik or. Denzel. Yeah. Because um, he did good enough to get nominated for Golden Globe. Yeah, he did get nominated. Which that was last weekend. I don't know if he won or not. He did not. And the video of it is hilarious because he was pissed off. Was he really? Yeah, because Daniel Coulier, uh, I'm, I'm mispronouncing that probably, but he won for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which we haven't watched yet, but yeah. we're about That's to. That's probably going to be our next episode. Yeah. Uh, but he won. And everybody in the video is clapping, like, because everybody's video conferencing in. And Jared Leto is the only one that, like, doesn't clap. And then, like, he does the little slow ca- clap after, like, five um, seconds. So, so did they do it, like, 100% virtual? Or, uh, for the, from what I've seen, yeah. Okay. The, like, there were people there presenting. Right. Like, uh, for that uh, category, Laura Dern was presenting and uh-huh. she was at the actual stage. Right, okay. 
but uh yeah the the video of him you could just see it on his face that he was just annoyed because he's just all stoic and not smiling or anything. I mean and based on what I've heard especially about the Golden Globes I've heard that like those are well like whoever can kiss the most ass and send the best uh, <laughs> gift baskets I don't know if Daniel uh Kaluuya, Kaluuya I, I'm fucking awful uh, I don't know if he's the type of person to kiss ass, though. No, he may not, but his manager might. Maybe. Or agent, representative, whatever you want to call him. Because those are normally the ones that end up doing all of it. Yeah. But, I mean, hopefully we watch that and we see, yeah, he deserved it. Well, I mean, I <coughs> guess we'll see. Because I, I know... I don't know who else was nominated. I know I saw Bill Murray. I don't I don't remember watching him what in anything. What on earth did Bill Murray I don't do? know. I've, for being stuck in in the house, uh-huh. I haven't been watching anything new. <laughs> it's just been rewatching old series. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess uh, real quick we can go over you know the actual cast and crew. Um, it had a total budget of thirty million, which I imagine it. Uh, I don't. I don't know how streaming numbers work. How they get their money. Well, back and yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. I mean, we. We could look up a box office, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how they're getting their numbers. I kn- let's put it this way. I know, like, after the pandemic started, like, the first movie that just, like, totally went um, streaming was, what's it, uh, Trolls World Tour or whatever. And apparently they made m- the most money ever. That was also available for rent, though. It wasn't available on a streaming service. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we had to rent it. I think it was, like... I think it was $20 that we had to pay to rent it. And, I mean, in my opinion, you know, I don't know about anybody else. I've got... Um, I don't know about anybody else, but, uh, you know, I've got three kids. So if me and, if me and my wife wanted to take the kids to see that movie, it, what, three kids' tickets, that's like anywhere from 15 to $20. And then mine and my wife's ticket, that's $10 a piece. And then snacks and drinks and everything like that, we would have spent like 50 or $60 going to the movies I to still, see the trolls. I still miss it. Oh, it, no. Let's put it this way. I, I still regret not being able to see Tenet in, yeah. in theaters. Well, the last movie we went to see in theaters, it was 1917, wasn't yes, it? Yes. God, yes. And it was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. 1917 just... That, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The story wasn't like the best. I went and saw that movie for to to see what Roger Deakins could do. That was to me that was a pure gimmick movie though. Well, and that and that's the thing. From what I mean, I could be wrong, but from what I heard, Sam Mendes literally said, like mentioned the story. He's like, you know what? I might want to make a movie about that. Yeah, and the. Yeah, it was based off his grandfather. His grand, well, his grandfather told a story. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's if he was one of the guys. That I don't know. But yeah, he literally mentioned that in passing to the best. From I could be wrong, but he mentioned that in passing, and some studio was like, "Here, here's the money. Go film it." Yeah. And and he hired Roger Deakins. And I'm I don't know if the one shot was Roger Deakins' idea or Sam Mendes's idea, but. Uh, either way, Roger Deakins was worked amazing magic on that. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, um, <laughs> went off on a yeah Roger Deakins tangent. Uh, uh, had a budget of thirty million, according to Google, it has only made back eight million. Yeah. So. And one thing that I learned: whenever you look up the budget of a film, it that doesn't include the marketing. Uh-huh. And on average, they spend twice the budget Jesus. on marketing. So if it was a thirty million dollar budget, on average they spend sixty million on marketing. Yeah. So I don't know how I don't I don't know how accurate that is for this film, but they're in the hole. There could possibly be in the hole by thirty million or ninety million. To uh, bring it back around to nineteen seventeen. Oh yeah, the score. Yeah, same composer. Mm-hmm. Thomas Newman. He did American Beauty, Road to Perdition, nineteen seventeen, and uh, a bunch of different Pixar and James Bond movies. Yeah. So those are all those mm-hmm. all have really good yep, scores. Really so. good scores, yeah. Um, as we said, you know, Denzel Washington, he played uh Detective Joe Deacon. Uh Rami Malik played um Detective Jimmy or Jim Baxter, and then Jared Leto played the weird guy, Albert Sparma. Um I mean the the supporting actors also it was littered with people from HBO, like '90s and early 2000s HBO, like from The Wire. Oh yeah, that's and right. And Oz. Yeah. Like uh, the police chief was freaking uh, Tim McManus from Oz, who's basically the main character. Uh huh. And uh, who else? Uh, uh, Denzel's old partner. He was in the second season of The Wire. There's a bunch of others, but they all did really good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, my my number one thing about it was it it had a pretty predictable plot, and it had like a slight uh, a slight twist at the end, but I don't think. Uh, it wasn't enough to save it yeah, or anything. It didn't do enough. Like you said, it was like really open ended. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? Um, I would have to say my favorite scene is the one where um, he's in that crappy little motel, and then he keeps seeing those girls from oh, that triple homicide. When uh, that girl's like massaging his feet. Like the dead ghost. I didn't like that part. <laughs> no, no, it was weird because I thought he just went downstairs and hired a prostitute and was like, oh, yeah, that's what it, yeah, that's what it made it look like. And yeah. then you start seeing girls with like their throats cut and everything. And I was yeah. like, oh, they're ghosts. He's mm-hmm. getting foot massages from ghosts now. Yeah. And I, I would say my favorite scene is when he's going through uh, the first girl. The f- it's the first crime scene when he gets there, his apartment. Oh, like okay, and yeah. and you see him noticing, like all these all, all the little things right in the apartment. Like the the refrigerators got old food in it except for the milk and the beer or whatever. Right, and he starts putting all these clues together and putting together uh, a profile basically. Yeah. It was really cool. And then not only that, he realizes like there's like an abandoned building or whatever across the alley. Yeah, and he goes and he goes over in there, there and there's like a perfect vantage point. 
of whoever killed the girl was going in there and sitting in that room watching the body just sit there. Yeah. It was, I don't know. I, If I had to rate it on one out of ten, I'd say it's six and a half, solid six and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, I'd say the same six and a half. Uh, had an all star cast, but in my opinion, was underutilized. Uh, the writing was like on the verge of being a straight cookie cutter. Yeah, but like we said, or uh, uh, like we said earlier, it was just an open ended like. In my opinion, it was a pointless story. You yeah. know, there there was conflict. That, you know, hey, we need to find this killer. But they don't resolve that conflict. A new conflict arises and is with and 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 is resolved within like the last ten minutes. Do you think like, oh, that he killed that guy? Now we need to cover it up, and they covered it up within like the last ten minutes of the movie. And so you basically created a new arc, and then just left the other one out to dry. Do you think that they were trying to go for like a real world thing where? murders don't always get solved well and i guess if you look at it from that point of view i could respect that because that's true i mean i'm willing to bet more often than i mean look at that um that one guy that finally came out and he was like 80 years old and started and started admitting to all these murders it was Was like over 110 murders oh uh not the golden state uh what's his name I watched a video. I can't on remember. YouTube. But are you talking about the old black guy? Yeah. Yeah. And then like they can't. Um, they're like, "No, nah, man, you're just talking crazy." And then he started pointing them to all of these bodies, yeah, and they, they all- found like over seventy bodies. Yeah. And they're like, and so they started. They put out a mass letter to or notification to all the police departments. They're like, "Hey, start looking into your unsolved cases because this guy might be responsible for it." Yeah. Because before he died, they he had admitted to over 300 murders, but they were only able to corroborate, like, I think 100 of them. Yeah, maybe that's what they were trying to go for. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I mean, because the thing about it is, is, I mean, that's realistic thinking. It's like, you know, these police, especially back in the day, you know, when they didn't have all the technology that they have now. Now, if you murder somebody, you're most likely not getting away. Yeah, and it's just... It's just the the truth is that a lot of these murders go unsolved. But I guess I guess that's a different way to look at it. Um, but like you said, that's digging. Yeah. But so, um, yeah. Other than that, I didn't even bother looking up who the cinematographer was. I mean, it wasn't anything special. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say it wasn't anything special. It looked like a dramatic it reminded me a lot of like a basic true detective yeah um it was filmed on a panavision millennium uh it's a dxl2 and a a red weapon 8k monstro which don't get me wrong if you want a film look red is not the way to go like red has its own look to it but film is definitely not the way to go yeah and that's why, like, if you look at the list of cameras that are in the no, uh, the Oscar nominations this year, like, 
literally like the top eight cameras, I think. The top eight cameras, seven of them are Ari. One of them is Sony. But anyway, that's just the camera nerd in me. But yeah, so nerd. the little things, um, like we said, solid six and a half. Not too nothing, nothing too memorable, nothing that stands out. But um, I mean, it was a good little Netflix movie. Yeah. That's about it. No, it wasn't Netflix. It wasn't Netflix. HBO. Oh, it was HBO Max. Yeah. My bad. You it was. A, it was a nice little streaming. You know movie. what's funny? Netflix wishes they could put something out this good that was a movie. They haven't had any good movies. I can't think of any. They got the good TV shows yeah. though. What's up? They got okay TV shows. The Witcher. The Witcher's okay. Could uh, be better. More. What TV. about Stranger Things? Everybody's going crazy about that. Stranger Things. It was okay at first. Witcher needs more titty though. Wow. <laughs> no, I don't. I've it's got too much titty. Yeah, game. Oh my god, Game of Thrones. Like, that that was one of the things. Like, uh, that's always been one of my pet peeves. It's like they'll show us. Nudity? Yeah, they'll show a sex uh-uh. scene like them dogging each other down for like thirty seconds, and then they get done, and then the dialogue starts. And I'm like, why didn't you just cut into them like just finishing? You know, rolling over. We know what just happened, and start the dialogue. Because titties, Tyler. <sighs> Hey, at least Game of Thrones tried to be equal. Yeah, they showed quite a bit of penis. Yeah, Alfie Allen, his ding-dong before it got cut off. I was about to say, he's the one that got it cut off, right? Yeah. But for those that don't know, I watched like the first two seasons of Game of Thrones. I got out of it because there was like a million and one storylines. And then jumped back in in the last two seasons. (laughs) Yep, I jumped back in the last two seasons. It's like the equivalent of... (laughs) It's like the equivalent of starting a um, like a series, like a challenge series, yeah, uh, uh, or season a season of the challenge. You watch, watch like the first two episodes, and then you go watch the last two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, but all right, guys, that's uh, that's gonna be it from us. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Rowdy, and we are the Movie Boys. <laughs>